friends, welcome back to the Field and Garden Podcast. It's your friend, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and thank you so much for joining me here. I'm really happy to have you on board. So this week's topic was not planned. It just kind of evolved as I literally just finished doing a big Lysianthus harvest. And I thought, you know what? I, I didn't even say anything about this in my most recent posts about this. And if you haven't seen, um, there was a little, some conversations that came up. I posted on Facebook um, some information about Lysianthus, and then I did a video follow-up because it just sparked so much interest and so many questions. And I just realized you can't really say enough about this amazing, gorgeous, long-lasting, gorgeous cut flower, right? So before we dive into that, hey, if you're enjoying my podcast, I would really appreciate you sharing it with your friends, writing a review. That just helps so much. That helps the podcast app that you're listening to this on show my podcast to more people. So I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. And I do go in and read every single one of those. So I really appreciate that. And the other thing is, you can go over to thegardenersworkshop.com and find all of my social media connections at the bottom of the pages. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram. And um, that's where you can go to my Facebook page and um, search Lysianthus or go to the videos and find the video where I talked about that. So that might help you fill in some of the cracks that, I mean, I, you can just never cover everything with Lizzie. There's just so, they seem to, what do they do? They seem to like, people assume they're super hard to grow as I did. I didn't grow them for 10 years, y'all. I just assumed they had to be grown in hoop houses. Not true. I grow them 100% in the field and have done it now for 12 years. Very, very, very successfully. And I think that's why people want so much information because, you know, a zinnia, they'll just put it in the ground and see what happens. Well, we just aren't quite that willing to do that with Lizzie's. And they aren't quite as easy to get started either, to be all fair and honest. So, let's just jump right in here. So, Lysianthus. What a lot of people don't know about Lysianthus is that it is, in fact, a cool season hardy annual. That's right, folks. It is in my book, Cool Flowers. And I think that most of us miss that and didn't even realize it. And when I learned about that it was a cool flower and was able to plant it following that cool season, cool flower kind of concept, um, it changed everything for me. So before we dive into that, um, let's talk about some other things that um, really jump into my mind as I'm thinking about it. So first off, it blooms typically in late June and in July for the first big main flush, right? And so that's the first thing that throws us off that it's a cool flower, right? What it loves is getting really well established in cool to cold weather. 
and then it puts on the dog, it puts on the show, it throws up these amazing blooms. In the dead of summer here for us, we're 95 degrees. We are hot and humid and Lizzie Anthus just seems to spit in its face and come right on, right? It is perhaps one of the longest lasting cut flowers. That's something else that's kind of like a silent characteristic. We look at it and assume it could not last very long, right? So <clears throat> I um, I think that when it blooms and how amazing gorgeous it is really threw us off the trail of the cool flower thing. So let's talk about the cool flower thing first and foremost. So I am in zone 7B8A, depends on who you ask and which year it is. And I have both fall planted and very early spring planted. I now have heard from people, um, from growers that in, are in zone 6B um, and 7A that have in fact fall planted and wintered over Lysianthus outdoors, of course with low tunnels, with some protection, that just protects them from the wind y'all. Um, but that's all I can offer you on that. If you live in zone six, seven, um, you need to do it cautiously and figure it out for yourself. I mean, that's kind of how we figure. There's no documentation that I can find beyond my own zone, which is 7A, 8B. People that live in eight, a zone eight and zone nine, for sure, should definitely reap the benefits of fall planting Lysianthus. The benefit for those of us that can plant in fall and then again in very early spring means that we are kind of, we're going to um, succession plant a little bit. But y'all, it's only about a week. You're not buying yourself like a month later or anything. And the other thing that I have found to be true for some folks is that, you know, when we fall plant stuff, we get taller stems, we get more stems. They're just more established, right? So there is just such a huge benefit to go down that experimental growing. And, you know, I don't address hoop house growing at all because I don't have hoop houses, y'all. But if you have a house, that means that gives you one zone north um, or south of you benefit. So for growing out in the field, I definitely recommend um, giving it a try. But here's the drawback to Lysianthus. The way that most of us actually um, start Lysianthus is we don't start it from seed at all. Most commercial growers that I'm familiar with most often buy in plugs. Plugs are just large numbers of plants in a tray um, that are grown by a greenhouse somewhere and they ship them to you. So that's what a plug is and they come in different sizes. But because when you do that, there's minimums, like four tray minimums, that means that's like 1,200, 1,300 plants or something. Not every grower wants to do an experiment with that many plants in a fall. And why do so many growers buy in plugs instead of starting from seed? 
it is not that Lysianthus is so incredibly difficult to start. It's a little testy, but it, it can surely be done. I know people that do it. You have to be one of those people that just really, that's a part of your focus, that you really want to keep after them. They take 12 to 16 weeks to grow into like a one-inch little plant, y'all. That's a really long time to take care of any transplant indoors. Um, not everybody is set up to take plants, take care of transplants that long. I'm not because I don't have any houses, y'all. I do everything in a grow room. My grow room space is always pushed to a premium. So it worked out for me to be most beneficial to purchase plugs. But if you're thinking about fall planting, um, you know, you have to weigh that. So if you were to want to fall plant, you would have had to have started your transplants at least 12 to 16 weeks before you wanted to plant them. So it's just a long haul, y'all. A lot of stuff can go wrong in that time versus having your plugs show up in a box, um, most often in pristine conditions. You have all the plants you're counting on planting. You know, when you become a commercial grower, you start planning. You know, you plan, how many lysianthus do I need this year? I need X thousands of plants. And then if you start from seed and have a seed failure, which is just higher risk because of how long it takes, that's a risk. So I weigh all of those risks. And that's what led me to, to get plugs. I know people that start from seed and more power to you. I mean, um, so, but if you're going to do it, you have to plan way in advance, which also means, friends, if you're going to order plugs, you have to order them at least 16 weeks in advance because they are literally custom growing them for you, right? So that's kind of why I think cool, why we never, none of us ever really realized that Lysianthus was a cool flower because of the time it plant, it blooms. And um, that most of us just by choice order in plugs because, you know, when you are a full-fledged flower farmer producing, you know, say 10 to 15,000 stems of flowers a week and everything that goes with that, you're always looking at those jobs you can outsource. And that just happens to be one of those jobs, right? So... One of the questions that I got on that post is, how do you know which varieties to choose? Well, there is no question that there are a bunch of different varieties. And, um, you know, looking at images can be helpful. For me, I've always tended to grow those that are what are called double blooms, which have the most petals on them. Um, for me, those just are the most voluptuous. But the other thing is you really have to rely on perhaps some of your flower farming friends that have grown lysianthus before, particularly in your region of those that might perform better. For me, once I discovered, so before I discovered the right planting time of Lizzie's back when I was still planting them, like they were warm season tender annuals, like April and May, um, I was growing what's called the ABC variety because they are super tall. 
And even so sometimes when you grow, well, most often when you grow things out in the field versus growing them in a hoop house, in a hoop house, they're naturally taller just because of the conditions. So I was drawn to the ABCs because they were naturally taller. Well, in fact, it worked. Even though I was planting them at the wrong time and planting them out in the field, I was still getting super tall stems. You know, my primary customer for years were high-end florists, and they were all looking for those long, luscious stems, right? Then once I discovered the proper planting time, which was either in the fall and or in very early spring, which for me, very early spring, you guys, is like six to eight weeks before your last spring frost. So our Valentine's Day notice is that's when we plant our Lysianthus. I mean, and we do plant the 285 plug size straight out in the field. The beds were made in the fall, covered, ready, and waiting. Sometimes we even had to brush snow off the beds to plant um, and just had tremendous success. Um, so, but what I learned was when I was planting them at their optimal time for a cool season, hardy annual, guess what? Even those varieties that I had grown in the past and they were just too short. You know, 20 inches to me is too short. Um, you know, our customers are really used to super long, luscious stems. And one of the Lizzie's that I loved because it seemed to have more buds and they were doubles were mariachis. Love mariachis. Well, guess what? When we plant them at the right time, they too, totally, they don't give me 42, 42 or 48 inches, I think is the tallest ABC I've ever grown. But mariachis are hitting the 30 inch mark. And then there's echo. Um, and I grew echo because of champagne, which is a gorgeous color. You just find your own, your own, color palette, and we're going to talk about colors and how that has changed for me now. Um, and so I recommend looking at images, reliable images, other growers' images of colors and how double they are, and make your choice. And then, you know, ask another grower in your region, hey, I'm thinking about growing these two varieties. Do you have experience with them? And go from there. So here's something else. When you grow Lysianthus out in the field, you know, rain damage is a reality, but we really avoid rain damage. And we do that by the color selection that we choose. And then even if I choose to grow those colors that are really easily damaged by rain, which is the dark purple color, which is the most beautiful in bouquets, so we always try it. Um, you keep, you always keep your eye to the sky when you're growing Lizzie in the field. You know, it's like, if I'm, today's harvest day. I just did it today, for as a matter of fact. So we harvest on Mondays and Thursdays. So we don't have rain in the forecast for four days. Monday is not a big harvest day. We don't need a ton of flowers on Monday. We need a ton of flowers on Thursday. So when I looked at the rain forecast and saw that there's no rain coming, this week, I thought, all right, I am only cutting the Lizzie's today that really need to be cut. I like to have three to four blooms on a stem. That just gives you more value. They're more voluptuous. There's Your customers appreciate it more. But if there was rain coming tomorrow or Wednesday, 
I would have probably cut a lot more stems this morning, those that just had two open. Because here's what I'm thinking. When I look at a stem with rain in the forecast, I know that if there's two blooms open today and they get rained on, there's a good chance the oldest of those two blooms is gonna succumb to wet damage. And I look at that stem and say, how many more buds are there yet to open? Meaning, if I have to cut the yucky one off, are there more buds that could grow in the next week or not? If there aren't many other buds, I'll go ahead and cut it. But if there are other buds, and I'm going to leave it. I don't cut any buds off at that point, y'all. The only time I ever disbud is when we've cut it and it's yucky and we need it off the stem before we use it. Um, so when you grow in the field, you just really have to take all those things into consideration. But here's a new, this is what made me want to do this podcast today, y'all. Here's a new consideration. You know, as my business is evolving, we are... Um, you know, the last three or four years, you know, we've stopped growing so much commercially. We've been focusing on our retail customers. And what that has, what that means is that Lysianthus naturally blooms in July and August. Well, well, June, July and August, I guess I should say. Um, what that means is that we are no longer selling to the people that are doing events and we don't do events. So we really don't have a need for those pink and peachy colors. A little bit of pink is okay, but we used to grow right much of the blush um, and the pinks and the ivory. They call it yellow, but it's really ivory. Um, and now when I just ordered some um, plugs and because I'm actually going to do a fall planting this year, y'all, I'm going to do a really great experiment. I'm going to plant in fall and then I'm planting again in very early spring the same varieties in the same colors and do a comparison. So when I placed that order, I did not order any pinks or blushes, which is a first time for me. So what colors do I always find that are really useful and super useful if no matter what market you're in? If you're selling to florist, if you're making mixed bouquets, um, if you're selling to supermarkets, or if you're selling to your own customers at the farmer's market, white is always makes, just makes everything else pop. The lime green Roseanne was really beautiful. Um, I've grown mariachi and ABC, what they call lime green, but it's really just white with a green throat. The Roseanne green is truly a green bloom. It is pretty dadgum awesome. And I also find, I mean, I would love, I didn't order the dark purple. We love it, but it just sustains too much damage. We have found that the lilac, the lavender kind of color, either the blush or the solid, neither of them show rain damage like those dark purples do. So what I am suggesting to you is that even though we're ordering them in the winter or ordering seed or starting seed or whatever you're doing, is to consider what your market is. And the pale colors, um, just those peaches and the blushes, unless you're selling to event people and florists, um, we've just kind of evolved away from those. 
And so here is another question. Um, and, you know, I did, I tend to pinch almost all branching annuals, but my rule of thumb, because stuff happens, y'all, is that I pinch half of a crop. I always want both benefits. If you don't pinch, you get earlier blooms. If you do pinch, you get earlier branching. So I tend to do a half and half on everything. And this morning, as I was cutting the lisianthus, it was really reassuring to me for me to once again say, once your lisianthus are planted and they start to shoot up in spring and they've gotten to that like six to seven, eight inch high, I pinch them back to two sets of leaves. And that means that you're going to get four. I get three to four really nice stems um, with multiple buds on it. And I was just reminded of that this morning. And so that's my experience pinching. And, you know, you can um, see how that goes for you. So I've already talked about the starting from seed, right? And um, I, I touched on a little bit about what is a plug because that is a question that people got. I understand that we use lingo so often as farmers that newbies and people that aren't farmers don't even understand. So I'll say again, a plug is just a small plant that comes in a flat. A flat is like a tray of plants. And typically plugs have many more little holes in their tray than what you, you know, usually most people buy a tray of six packs, like six six packs. Imagine that same tray with 285 plants in it. They're super small. So what we have to consider is that makes them affordable, makes them easier to ship, and um, they're usually available from plant brokers. Um, home gardeners, I'm sorry to say, typically will have a tough time finding them available out for sale in a home gardener size or availability. And um, plant brokers are people like Ball Hort, Germania Seed, Farmer Bailey, and those are just a few of the people that farmers can buy from. So, the other thing I want to talk about is the spacing that I use. And again, this kind of happened of me purchasing too many plants and not having enough space one year, many years ago. See, Lysianthus do not branch out very much. Um, part of their challenge is weed control for that reason. You know, when you plant many plants, Soon after you plant them, they grow up and bush out and create a canopy of vegetation that shades the surface of the bed, and that prevents weeds from growing. Um, we use the biodegradable film called Bio360. You can find that in videos and information on that on our website, thegardenersworkshop.com. That's the film that we cover our beds with that we plant lisianthus in because what that does is just really helps to suppress weeds from developing because it blocks the light from the surface of the bed. 
what happens is you poke a hole to plant your plant. Well, in that little teeny hole, believe it or not, those that surface soil that gets light then will sprout weeds. And because lizzies don't just bush out and grow quickly, um, they are, I mean, people talk about whole weeding lisianthus all the time. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we find that using some type of covering on your bed is essential. I have never used landscape fabric to plant to grow in. Um, we've used it on pathways, but we don't use it to grow in for a variety of different reasons. But we do use the Bio360 because it's totally biodegradable. Turn it into the soil um, and it's not down permanently and it is super easy to extinguish when you're done with it. Um, so my dilemma that year was that I ordered more Lizzie's than I had prepared beds for. And of course, we prepare our Lizzie beds in the fall, even for those beds that are being planted in very early spring, because in mid-February here where I am, we're still in winter. It's too wet, often frozen, often snow sometimes. You can't be preparing and making beds. So we make our beds, cover them in the Bio360, Oftentimes, I will hoop and cover the beds just to keep the dog and deer from walking on them. And then we uncover it and plant. Literally, it's that simple. So I did not have enough beds prepared. So I just bit the bullet, y'all. I had enough for two beds. I got halfway through the first bed of my normal spacing, which was six rows to a bed, and realized as I was calculating that I was going to have too many plants. So I stopped midway and switched from six rows. My beds are 30 inches wide. A bed maker makes them, covers it in Bio360, and it has um, T-tape underneath of it, which is irrigation. And I switched from six rows in the 30-inch bed to eight rows. And let me just tell y'all, it was the rockinest lisianthus I have ever grown. Not only did it cut down on weeds because they were so crowded, but they grew even taller. Now, I will tell you that you had to up your game of netting because the canopy of um, blooms, when those plants were headed up, oh my gosh, I mean, you can't believe how heavy it was. We ended up having stakes. We use, I only use one layer of netting. I have never used two layers um, and not found it necessary in dahlias or lisianthus. I find that if it's on properly, tauntly pulled in all directions, it does a really great job. But I will tell you, for eight rows of lisianthus, we had stakes every three to four feet because it was just so blooming heavy. It was really absolutely fascinating. <laughs> and it was the best year of Lysianthus ever. And I have never looked back. That was probably five or six years ago that we went to eight rows, and that's what we plant now. So it pushes them together to make them stretch to be taller. It minimizes weeding a little bit, and I mean, I'm a small space farmer, right? You know, I'm in the middle of the city. I'm always looking to get more out of every square inch of my garden. And that just really, really helps. So I hope in combination of 
you know, the posts that are out there that I've added um, in this July to our Facebook page. Um, check it out. You can find my Facebook through thegardenersworkshop.com, the connections on the bottom. Um, there's a long post, then there's a video, and now we have this podcast. So I hope that this really encourages you to know that even if you don't have houses like me, you can grow outside. You can um, grow a lot of them in a small space. That when that means also that people can like make their minimums, right? If you can squeeze more into a bed, that allows you to really just plant more plants, right, friends? So, folks, thanks so much for listening to me share about my Lizianthus experience. And head on over to thegardenersworkshop.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. I do three lives a week at this point on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Clubhouse. And you can find it all over at thegardenersworkshop.com. So, friends, till we meet again, ciao.